Okay, good evening, everyone. And if you, again, we're starting a new shower. It's very exciting. We're starting shower precious. If uh, you do have questions or comments, please do not uh, be afraid to uh, unmute yourself and, and uh, share what's on your mind. There are also chats if you want to send a chat. Uh, we're closing on the end of the Sefer. The ninth gate is Sharha Precious. Precious is a word that uh, connotes separation, abstaining, uh, refraining from involvement in certain physical matters. So uh, the first chapter is going to give us a very interesting sort of global perspective. And then um, I'm not sure we're going to have a chance to get to Perik Shani tonight. Uh, but then we, it's more then we'll get into the real dive into how precious relates to direct service to God. But first he feels it's important to get precious on a global level. And there's a very fascinating cloud, very different than uh, a lot of the other parts of the Sefer, which are very focused specifically in service to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, through mitzvos. This is more of a sort of a universal perspective. So let's, let's see what he has to say. It's always fascinating. It's an incredible Sefer. And we're, excited to start precious. So Amra Machaber, we we read the bottom of the um, the Sefer, the Leif Tov, and uh, let's see what he has to say. So Amra Machaber, the author says as follows Kodem is Nefesh We spent uh, a lot of pages and uh, a lot of Shurim analyzing uh, the the uh, gate of Cheshba Nefesh, the gate of of calculation, of thought, of analysis that a person has to make for oneself. And one of the 30 calculations that a person has to make is in number 25, in vehicle 25 of what he told us we have to think about in terms of Cheshba Nefesh, um, number 25 was the concept of not indulging too much in this world, of separating um, to the proper extent from physicality of this world. And therefore, Lachain, as a result, since I, I didn't mention it, even though it's only one of 30, it's number 25, but uh, obviously it's a very important number. I therefore felt it appropriate after the gate of Cheshba Nefesh, let me explain what this precious really is all about. What does this concept of precious really entail? Okay, and um, and what kind of abstaining do people who are Torah observant have to do? So they can reach perfection in the service, in the performance of the Torah. And in the matters of this world, and to also attain tranquility, a peace of mind, a sense of uh, serenity um, of not only the soul, but even of the body in both worlds. So there's a lot of benefit that, uh, that he has planned for us. If we get this straight and we know how to, how to fulfill precious, it'll allow us to have tremendous uh, benefit and menuchas nefesh in this world and in the next world. And who, who doesn't want that? 
Okay, so let's let's continue. There are seven elements that I want to explain here in in this matter of precious. Maya precious I, I want to first get into global precious. I want to get into the overall big picture precious, Klomar. Meaning to say, there's a type of type of precious that everybody involves a, themselves in. It's not just for the Jewish people. And what need is there for this sort of global precious, universal precious that he will talk about? Uh, what it is and whether there's a need for it or not. Number two, what is the specialized precious, the, the higher level precious, Klomar, meaning to say, there's precious A and precious B. Precious A is universal, global. Precious B is, is a precious that is focused on the Jewish people and, and those who observe the Torah. How, how do they conduct themselves? What need is there on that level for, this, for, precious, for the people who observe the Torah? How many different categories are there? How, how, much, uh, how are they divided? How are, are there different levels of different types and, and uh, attitudes towards precious? So what, what, what do they all entail? This type of, of unique precious, how do you live it? How do you conduct yourself in it? What, what, what are you abstaining from exactly? What aspects of precious does the Torah demand from us? What does the Torah say? What, is the, how, what, what comments are there in the Torah and in the Nevi'im regarding this idea of precious? And finally, number seven, What difference is there between the earlier generations, our, our parents, our grandparents, and us as it relates to precious? So does precious have a relative aspect about, that, about, about it that it really depends on the generation and does it have differentiations as the generations go on? So these are the seven things he's going to uh, talk about. And this was really the introduction. Now ready to start Parak Aleph, which uh, he will talk about the first issue of the global and the universal precious. Okay, so let's, let's dive in. Alashayla. And the fundamental question of Maya precious hakolis. What does, what's general precious? What does it mean? What need is there for abstaining for some type of, 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 of um, separation, resistance to everything in the world uh, on a global level, how it applies to everybody? So um, what kind of need is there? And he knows it's a true, but let me give you the following answer. So we, we're going to now take our first uh, sort of dive into what precious is, and he's going to define it very interestingly. Alashayla Maya, I'm sorry, precious humunach hamisparish lumavanim shaynim. Precious is a concept that is explained on many different levels. Hakavanishel amila precious hilacharaguyim. The literal tr- translation, the definition of the word precious is pretty clear to, to everyone. 
right? It means abstaining. It means separating and removing yourself from a certain uh, area. Achlamito shall dover, but when you get into the truth of the matter, he said muster. It is a very, very secret matter. It is not, it, it's hidden and it's really, it's a well kept secret. It's not so easy to understand. Only when you remove the veil and the cover that covers up the definition of uh, and the true meaning of precious, and you open up and you crack open the lock that has prevented people from truly approaching it properly, only then, Mr. Havanasa, only then will it become clear and can one see the the depth and the and the hiddenness of its true meaning, and its true intent is revealed. So what it looks like a bunch of people maybe just not doing this and not doing that and acting like a like monks or or other types of people who just are abstaining from all physicality. It's it, it's it goes deeper than that. So let me let, let he says let me explain. Stam. Hadragasa, the the regular precious, the guidelines of regular precious is kavishas taivos hanefesh. It's defined as conquering, subjugating the passions of the soul. The himanos miasias hadavar shaparshimenu, and it's to prevent yourself from the very thing that you are separating from. There's a temptation out there. There's something that um, is calling in terms of your desires to do, and you're not engaging in them. That's precious, that's simple separation. It's abstaining. Even though, yes, you have the ability to do it. It's not about not doing things you can't do. It's about not doing things you absolutely can do. You have the ability to do them. Okay. Because of some reason that basically you're being guided by a certain logic and a certain uh, rationale to not uh, cave in or dive in or, or indulge in a particular uh, temptation. So you have the ability to, ability to do so, but because of your logic and your understanding of the need to step back, you make the decision to step back. Uh, Okay, and it's already been stated that uh, with the word porish, porish is only a relevant term to someone who can indulge. So you're not abstaining from something if, it's, if, if you're going to use abstaining as the word for precious, it's not called abstaining when the thing that you're, you're thinking about doing, you can't do anyway. If you're dreaming about something and you choose not to do it, but you can't do it anyway, well, then you're not a porish. You're not separating from from skiing on the Alps, if you can you can't get to the Alps, it's then you're not refraining. You're not porish. Porish means I could do it. I have the wherewithal, but I choose not to. And and despite the ability that you have to do it, you choose not to do it. So it's it's a choice. Prisha is by definition a choice that we make, which fits very nicely into the the parsha we just read because. Um, you know, uh, uh, fundamentally, uh, the, the Mepharshim talk about Bechira, the freedom of choice. That's such a special gift that was given only to humans. We have the freedom of choice um, and we are 
encouraged to choose bracha, right? As we say a few weeks, a few weeks from now, choose life. So this idea of choice is part and parcel of what precious is about. So why precious? The reason why a person would uh, be obligated and logically mandated to control one's passions so the idea of, of uh, precious gets divided into two, two areas. One applies to all you humans and maybe even certain animal, many animals, uh, animal life as well. So it's very universal, very global. But precious number two, which again, I'm not sure we're going to get to today, is uniquely focused on B'nai Torah. The, the Jews who follow the Torah, Jews who are Shomer Torah mitzvahs, they have precious too. And, but now he's going to talk about the first precious. A precious is The idea of abstaining that, inclu- that includes all of humanity, it is the abstaining that we, that we are involved in for the sake of the betterment of our bodies. And for the betterment of our physical well-being. Okay, if there was no such thing as abstaining, the physical world will, would ultimately totally perish. Okay, we'd be so indulgent in physical drives that there wouldn't be any chance for us to really uh, keep our, our bodies healthy and, and uh, have humanity be sustained. Like, for example, we have mandates. And boy, can we relate to this now as we are being told exactly when to put the mask on and et cetera, et cetera, where we can go and, and the, who can open and whether we can have school or not. But there are rules that govern all of societies as it relates to health matters. Right? There are civil codes that kings and now governments uh, employ to uh, basically keep the society safe and the society healthy. And also the mandates of the doctors for those who are sick and for those who are healthy. Bream is healthy, those who are sick as well. To make sure they remain healthy. So there's certain logical codes that we have to follow in order for society to continue to function well. And the, the uh, uh, accustomed activities that all uh, people of logic guide themselves in, in how it relates to controlling one's passions, controlling one's desires, from eating and drinking, and the idea of, of, of family, of conjugal relations, of, of uh, relations between a husband and wife, these are all things that have boundaries. They have a level of abstaining. There isn't just wanton, uh, just free-for-all in terms of just total consumption without any moderation. Balbasha, the way we dress, Vadibur, speaking, Vishar Tarasov, Tanugov, Hashodim, and various movements and pleasures that the world uh, has to offer. So it, in almost everything that, that runs society, if there wasn't some level of moderation, and again, we're 
I don't want to get political, but we're living in a world where anarchy and chaos seem to actually now be ruling the day. So it seems like they want to upset this concept and just let everything just go naturally without any borders and boundaries. But in all regular normal societies where chaos doesn't bring society down, there are guidelines that, that are Im- implemented by the, you know, by the government, by the kings, whatever, and that really involves precious. Okay, if you can't you know, eat as much, you can't do this as much, and some of it is mandated from the government, some of it is mandated by logic in your own life. You're not going to totally indulge. And the unique precious, precious number two, that is more unique and specialized, that's a much more spiritual type of precious that guides a Jew to be able to earn the world to come. With the help of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I will get to that in the next chapter. So we'll have to wait a little bit for that. But that's the obviously the main precious that he's going to focus in on. But in Perak Aleph, he takes us on a tour of the global precious, which is, I guess, important to understand just in general. It's, uh, I guess, from precious one, you can sort of build onto the concept of precious uh, two. So we'll see. But and the need for moderation, the need for abstention, the need for not indulge, uh, not just wanton indulgence is as follows. So he's going to give us really a fascinating look into God's creation and why we're all here. So we already explained earlier, way back in the gate of service, I'm really not, I didn't, Think about how many years we've been learning the Sefer, but we have been learning the Sefer for, for a good few years. And Avodah Sevakim is one of the earlier gates that we did. And when we in the ninth gate, the Cholos Avodah explains, Shematras Habori is Borach, Bebrias Adam Haisa. What was God's goal in creating the world? One of the great questions that plague uh, society and plague uh, the you know philosophers for, for the centuries, for the ages. Okay, I guess one is, you know, what our purpose in the world is, but the other one is, and maybe they're related, but not necessarily exactly the same. What was God's purpose in creating the world? Is why we were here and why God put us here. So he explained that the reason why God put us here, to direct the soul, to instruct the soul, to discipline the soul, and to test it in this world. So to a little bit of a similar idea that the Mesil Shom talks about, um, obviously of being here and earning reward, but it's, he, he has a different way of putting it, that it's about getting Anishama ready for this sublime reward that God wants to give it. Okay, so it's really, it's about the Neshama. It's very fast. It's not about sort of the goof. We sometimes think ourselves as, as our physical beings. We're not physical beings. We're really spiritual beings. We're put into this body, <clears throat> for uh, 120 years, but the, we're really essentially a neshama. And the neshama put us in this world, into this body that we're in, okay? Uh, that through the, the entry of the neshama into the body, the neshama could be so purified, because so, become so refined and pure, the talu ledargas hamalachim hakadoshim. 
hear this? That we, we are here in this world to become angelic beings. Truth of the matter is, uh, we spoke about in the Shia recently, I mentioned that, that the other, there are Mepharshim on the Torah in the recent parshas who say that we are really superior to angels because we have the Bechira, so we can actually achieve um, levels above angels. But at least the Chovos the, HaVavos the, the, um, puts it that we should reach the Darga of Malach HaKadoshim. The, the holy angels, as the Pesach in Zechariah says, if you follow my ways, you do what I ask you to do, my mitzvahs, I will give you a path to walk with the angels. I'll give you a path to literally uh, be in, in the next world in a, on a sublime level. So, so that's the goal. The goal is what can I do for this neshama? to give it the ability to achieve incredible heights. So I'm going to send it down into this world, give it a body, and let it earn that, that process, which will elevate it to that level. And God's wisdom uh, directed him, uh, or you know, he saw fit, to be, that, that the neshama should be found and to be implanted into a physical body, and that's when the neshama finds itself after it's after the baby is born, right? And um, you know, I don't, I'm not saying that's why it's crying, but we know the concept of you know, neshama would maybe rather stay upstairs, but it it comes down into this body. That that body becomes nourished and advances and grows due to physical elements such as food and sustenance. And in order for that sustenance to be part of that child's development as it becomes an adult and goes through life, the only way for it to be able to really do that is to have a drive, to put into the person a drive to take care of oneself. If we were never hungry and we never thought of food, it would really be very easy for us to just die of starvation. Baruch put into our essence, a, a desire for the very things that we need for the world to function. That's part of the way that Akash Baruch Hu, in his, uh, in his uh, brilliance, sustained us. Okay, with that drive, he now, a person desires the food that he will need and she will need for this world. They should yell okay. The person needs to be sustained. The person needs to live. You're not going to live without food and water. You're not going to have food and water unless you have a natural, desirous a thirst for water and a hunger for food. In order for a person to be healthy, <clears throat> as long as that nisham is in the body, that's the, the person's requirement is to take care of that body to make sure that the... the uh, the person lives and the body lives. Okay, so that was the concept. It's not just that. It's not just the desire for food and the thirst for water. There's obviously the sexual drive to have children, to have a family. Right? There is a natural desire for people to have children 
to promulgate the world and to have somebody to continue in their footsteps, to have people to uh, carry on their mission and to carry on their name. Okay, and as a reward, so to speak, for these activities that are important, so since it's necessary, Baruch Hu built into these activities an, inter- an inherent reward. What's the reward? The pleasure you get out of them, right? Who doesn't like a nice juicy steak? Okay, who doesn't like an incredible uh, fancy uh, glass of wine? I mean, most people who know, I mean, obviously us non-connoisseurs don't uh, appreciate it, but obviously there is a tremendous amount of appreciation and pleasure from the drinks, uh, from the drink uh, um, and food that a person has in this world. Clearly there's pleasure from, from procreation. Okay, the, uh, the act of, of uh, marital relations obviously gives people pleasure. Umino alavas a yetzer, and he also pointed the inclination, the, the, the drive, to drive a person to eating and drinking, and to reproduction, and all types of pleasure, all types of um, sort of uh, relaxation types of items where you're just, you know, you're getting rest, you're getting um, sort of uh, enjoyment just from your, uh, you know, uh, things that you like, things that you uh, like going, you know, you take a hike or you have a beautiful view, things that you enjoy um, in terms of, you know, this world. So there is a natural pleasure that Kosh Baruch Hu put in to the pursuit of these things so that they should be pursued for the sake of benefiting society. Okay, so um, uh, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we sometimes bemoan the fact that, you know, the... Uh, why do we have to have such a desire for food? People have, you know, different uh, uh, challenges. Well, if that desire wasn't there, the world wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be able to function. So, and it's a way of rewarding you to do the things you need to do to keep the world going. Obviously, our job, however, obviously is precious. Our job is to take these things, but to to uh, negotiate with them in a very calculated fashion, which is about to explain. Okay, as the Pasuk says, he, HaKadosh Baruch Hu put the world into their hearts as well. And what he means by this, clearly from the fact that the Chavos HaVavos brings this Pasuk, that the way that we conduct ourselves in the world was to be able to sustain the world, was put in to us by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So we should have these natural instinctual drives to do what's necessary for the sake of humanity, for the sake of mankind. This is a very, you know, amazing way to, you know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sort of is giving us a little bit of an insight into God's master plan. So I've got to have this body sustained in this world to allow the soul to enter the body and to live in this world for its designated years so that when it leaves this world, it will have earned the right to be angelic. Okay, but if the body is not going to be taken care of, how's the soul going to be angelic? So you got to get, you got to have both things working in sync. So I had to create a drive for these things and a natural reward for them in terms of how good it feels when one partakes in these things. So it's all built into the fabric of what's necessary for the world to function. 
we should be getting credit for a philosophy course here in this chapter. Um, and when the, uh, the inclination dominates over the seichel, because, you know, that's already now, so we've got a Yetzirah, we've got this drive that Kosh Baruch put into the world, which he doesn't call it a Yetzirah, he calls it a Yetzirah because we need it, it's important, okay? And if that drive <coughs> dominates over the intellect, when the soul gets drawn after it, there's a natural drawing of that person and that neshama into mosros, to uh, extra additional pleasures that are not really necessary. All right? So instead of, you know, well, we need uh, 2,000 calories a day to manage, uh, you know, 4,000 doesn't sound so bad. 5,000 even better. 6,000, I'm a mamish full all day. So, you know, there is a natural inclination to indulge excessively in these areas because they feel good and we can naturally be drawn to them. Unfortunately, so God put into this world the ability to be drawn to these things, which will ultimately lead to one's demise and destruction of one's body. Okay, you, you get overly indulgent, it's going gonna, it's gonna to destroy you one way or the other. When we see Bazu, and for this reason, to balance the need of, of pleasure with the excesses of pleasure, to make sure one doesn't go over that line, a person needs the quality of abstaining. We have to exercise this muscle critically for, this, for the ability for the world to function. If we're not exercising our precious muscles, the world would not, would not work. It wouldn't, it wouldn't last. From these types of leisurely activities and these types of, of pleasures, if there wasn't precious, then we wouldn't be able to be sustained. The work ethic versus, you know, vacationing versus uh, hanging around, doing nothing. All of this, this is a constant battle of humanity, you know, uh, within itself. So we should go in that middle path, that normal, healthy, balanced, a golden path. That really is a, is a balanced one. And in order for per, one per, a person's conduct in this world, as it relates to eating and drinking, and all other physical elements for it to be functioning properly and for a person to get the best out of the situation but not overdo it, in a way that people will praise you, it'll be praiseworthy, this is a person who has control, this is a person who has it together, a good person is one who has compassion and who lends who lends money, and who divides um, his activities and his words and his thoughts properly, um, judiciously. So you see that, that the idea of mishpat, the idea of weighing things and making sure that we are balanced, we are we're, uh, we're thought out, methodical, is critical to our success and to the respect that we would get from, from the people around us. So this is a, a, there's no other real, real way for the world to, to, 
to work uh, any other way. If we're always indulging, then we would not, it would not work out. Umikivan, Shekobani Adam. So since, and uh, okay, with this really, he's, he's wrapping up uh, the first uh, chapter of the, uh, of Prishas. Umikivan, Shekobani Adam, Muchrochim, Lisnag, Prishas, Kolzu. Since this is not a, it's not a subjective thing. This is objectively necessary for all people. Every single person, the truth of the matter is, right? The, the indication was that even animals, right? We know animals can't just overdo it. If you, animals just go after their, uh, their passions in terms of uh, eating, uh, they, you know, they can get sick as well. And they can overdo it. So they also have built in natural guidelines of, of uh, control and an idea of not over overdoing things just for the sake of same idea of self preservation. Okay. So, but since this is a, uh, an absolute obligation upon all people to engage in this activity of precious of abstaining, that's what this world depends on for the goodness of the world. Because this way they'll get what they need from the world and not overdo it. They'll get, they'll take from the world what is necessary, but not what's not necessary. It's therefore fitting. What a fascinating perspective he now gives us that we need people in this world to be Prushim Gemurim. There needs to be a sort of a, uh, a symbol or a manifestation of true abstaining so we can sort of learn the concept. Okay, and therefore you need these people out there who truly don't involve themselves in any physical activity or pleasurable activity, I should say. They are totally spiritual. Okay, now we'll, we'll get to whether that's good or bad, but this is what he's saying, if we didn't have a model, if we didn't have certain people who would be in this mode of Prushim Gemurim, we wouldn't have anybody to really learn from. That there are people out there, okay, um, okay, I don't know what the definition of a monk is, but, you know, people like these, we know, we know these people, they're, they just, uh, they're isolated, they're alone, and they don't want to partake of any of the typical pleasures of the world. So he's saying that's actually important. <clears throat> so that people should learn from them the appropriate precious. So as long as it's, there's a precious going on in the world, well then intelligent people can sort of pick and choose and learn from them what it is that I need to do for myself in terms of what's proper. Commensurate to the, this person's conduct is his or her uh, personality their traits so you you figure out what's right for you but if you didn't have the model at all you would never be able to engage in in and in, uh, in proper precious it would not be good for the whole world to be full of these monks that's not what how the world was designed if everybody was a monk if everyone abstained, if everyone didn't engage in all of these activities, where would the world be, right? Um, it would, it would uh, the, the inhabitancy of the world would end. Birth would no longer be, right? The Gemara says that they, they capture the Etzor for Avodah and that's why we don't have intrinsic passion to bow down to some Buddha, bow down to some idol, because, because the Gemara says that the, the, um, the Gedolim 
captured the Anshe Kesegdol captured the Eitzar and they shechted it. They destroyed the Eitzar for Avodazara, but they also want to destroy the Eitzar for illicit relations. But unfortunately, they couldn't split it. So when they when they tried to capture it and destroy it, they saw that the chickens weren't laying eggs and people weren't weren't having children. So they had to bring it back. They had to put it back into into humanity because otherwise uh, the world wouldn't function. Okay, so uh, having children, procreation would, would no longer exist. And we know from the Pasuk in right? God did not create the world to be desolate. God did not create the world to have, to have nobody on it. He wanted to be inhabited. He wanted the world to procreate and people to, uh, uh, to have, you know, the, the enjoyment of the world. It was, it's here for people to serve people for a, for a great goal, for a higher purpose, but it's still certainly here to be inhabited. Okay, so therefore, if, if everybody was a monk, that would be terrible. It's beneficial, therefore, for the world to have a percentage of the people, a small percentage to be these types of uh, individuals who abstain from all physical pleasures. Because it's a it's a quality and it's a trait that is necessary for the world. So to, if people take it to extreme, we can study it, we can learn from it, but it's not for everybody. It's necessary and should be studied by humanity, just like other services and and uh, types of activities and and the. Uh, philosophies or different type of intellectual pursuits are studied by different nations of the world. And each one, if they, when they're mastering their particular area, it helps all of society. So this country was great for math. This one's great for science. This one's great for medicine. Each group of people have certain things that they go totally in for. And collectively, we as a society gain from it. Very global, very uh, broad. Um, with each one of these talents, one nation is able to surpass another one in a particular area, and ultimately it gets shared. Um, and that, and the reason why certain nations shine in particular areas of expertise, whether it be, it could be also, you know, construction, it could be architecture, it could be so many different elements that different nations bring different things to society. So ultimately, we all figure it out collectively in advance. So each people, each group of people should derive a benefit from the other and that we all collectively move ahead. So at the end of the day, we all get what we need. We have the knowledge necessary to to advance, and everybody benefits. And that's and 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 having these people who abstain is in the same mold. By having certain people go all the way and live a life completely devoid of physical involvement, that's a benefit for us to be able to learn from and see. How do, we, how do we adapt that kind of life in a way that makes sense for us? Okay. Veins also Thomas Olam, Shekol B'nei Adam, Yishtalmu B'chachum Lach Achaz B'vad. It's not, would not be beneficial 
for the entire world to only be involved in one thing. If everyone was doing one thing, if we all were the best cooks in, on the planet, well, what would happen with all the other needs? Okay, so therefore each, each area and each people and each country and sometimes each individual, they go to where their strengths are. And, but it would not be good if everyone became great in the very same area and all we would do is one thing. They should say to Olam Hisholem, because the order of the world would only be complete, rak kol only as a result of all of the, you need the architecture, and you need the, the uh, agriculture, and you need the medicine, you need the science, you need all of these different elements that come into what makes the world um, work, or makes the world successful, they all have to blend, they all have to come together. So that's how society advances. So, Separation and abstaining is also one of those elements that society needs. Like Shomelech, the wise man said, made everything at the right time. He made everything properly so that it can be used in its right time. Everything has a time. Everything has a place. So there is a certain, certain sort of a tapestry to the world that needs to be there for everything to function well. And therefore, abstaining is a necessary function, and um, having these people to sort of show us the way is also another necessary component. Okay, so I have a feeling that as we continue in the safe, we're going to see more why did he, why were all these things so necessary? I mean, you know, uh, clearly he made it clear that without abstaining, the world wouldn't function, but then he goes to the next level, and he tells us how people have to sort of be the examples for us to show us the way. So we'll see uh, how this bears out in the future. So it's clear from everything that was just said. What is the universal precious? What's the global precious that we referred to earlier? What need is there for people in this world to engage in it? The shame cedar in bo. In order to really uh, organize their matters and their well-being in this world. So now I, so basically I told you what it is. Okay. And I told you the need for it. So now we're ready for the next chapter for the need of precious in the realm of spirituality as relates to Jews observing the Torah and for us to be able to earn Olam Haba. I think it's a good place to stop as a Shem. It's a really fascinating parak.